Guess what, folks? Johnny Manziel is in the news again. As we welcome you into this 314th episode of Unscripted with Mike and Chris. Mike Jansen, Chris Fluke with you. And yes, we don't quite know because obviously there's some kind of confidentiality issue here. But news out of the, I guess the CFL's head offices, obviously would be in Toronto. But news out of the CFL head offices that that the uh, Montreal Alouettes of the Canadian Football League have been told by league officials to terminate the contract of Alouettes, I guess he's their backup quarterback, Johnny Menzel. They have been told by the league to terminate his contract. We're trying to figure out what it is, what he did. But for whatever reason that he did, Johnny Mendel's CFL days are over. And they've even taken it to the extent that if Manziel were to try to hook on with one of the other, oh, it's other nine and a oh, CFL yeah. franchises, yeah. the league would not recognize his contract. So that terminates any further playing of Johnny Manziel north of the 49th parallel in the Canadian Football League. I'd like to know what Johnny did. They're not going to tell us, obviously, because there's some kind of confidentiality, and Chris is looking into it, but he can't find anything right now. But as I bring in the executive producer of Unscripted with Mike and Chris, um, I am dying to know what this flea bag did <laughs> to get him get, get himself kicked out of the CFL. Well, I'm on CFL.ca here, and uh, there's a, I'm reading all the comments from people, and someone named Rodney Bocamper said, Great trade, Cavis Reed, to acquire Johnny Vodka. And, I mean, as soon as I saw when when Hamilton traded him to Montreal, yeah. and I don't know if any of the other players mattered too much, but coming back the other way was two first-round picks. That's what I was just going to say. The big yeah. thing wasn't the Carpenbagen players. It was the two number one picks. Yeah, and I just thought, man, as soon as I saw that, I thought that is the trade of the year. For the Hamilton, Hamilton Tiger Cats, of course. Yeah. Yeah. You should get an award for getting two first-round picks for Johnny Vodka, as he's called <laughs> here. And yeah, it doesn't look like we're going to find out what exactly he did. But it was interesting because I would have assumed that this was a decision where they just made it and that's it. But there's a, a quote that is a little more leading than maybe they meant to release, where they say, we presented Mr. Manziel with some options and he was unwilling to proceed, I believe is the exact terminology. So it does indicate that maybe they were willing to not kick him out of the league completely if he did something else, maybe stricter parole type things in this context. And he was just unwilling because he's a big superstar and whatever. But look at this. He's not good enough for the NFL. He's been kicked out of the CFL. The XFL has said they won't sign him. So, I mean, now, as long as the AAF can last another three or four weeks, maybe they'll <laughs> maybe they'll get Johnny Football. Uh, maybe, I don't know, the, the Iowa Barnstormers haven't had a quarterback in a while. Do they still have the Indoor Football League? The they, Indoor the Arena League? Yeah. Oh, yeah, I'm sure they do. Yeah. yeah. That's where Kurt Warren played, right? Oh, yeah, Iowa. for the Iowa yeah. Barn. You're right. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Idiots out walking around. Yeah, yeah. so... Yeah. Oh, don't say that around my <laughs> sister-in-law. Oh, my God. I got that from you. She gets so pissed off when I do that. I've never been to Iowa, but... No, you you know. You know, and uh, if Johnny Manziel's been to Iowa, he probably doesn't remember because he was on <laughs> stuff. So, poor Johnny. Oh, poor Johnny. I don't feel one bit sorry for that carpet beggar. But, uh, yeah, you bring up a great point. Where is Johnny going to apply his trade now? Um, He's too... 
dumb and fucking ditzy to be a broadcaster. Oh God, yes. He's. I mean, I think he would have to do. He'd have to do something with college football. Like I can't even picture him being a high school coach. Like he'd have to be like, I don't know. What would he be? Well, my question uh, is, did he even graduate college? Because at the very least, you'd need a, 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 at the minimum, you'd need to have at least some kind of degree to be a high school coach or a college coach, or I would think, would you not? And I don't, I think he left A&M early. Um, so I don't think he ever graduated from Texas A&M. I, I know what he can do. The same thing they told me this morning, what I could do. Take tickets at a movie theater. That's the truth, folks. That isn't a lie. As we again say hello and welcome to this 314th episode of Unscripted. Johnny Manziel is out. Montreal was the worst team in the league last year with him. Now they're minus him and draft picks to start the rebuild. Jesus. We finally got a 10th team in the Canadian Football League, and maybe now just by default they might kick Montreal out. Who knows? I mean, geez, but that was a team. It was like the Flames with uh, Kiprasov. It's just, you know, where they just, and uh, to a large degree, it's like Ted Thompson with Aaron Rodgers, where you just rely on one player so much when they had Anthony Calvillo, and every year they're amazing, and just, you don't have to do anything else because you have him, and it was so annoying, so I don't feel bad for the Montreal Alouettes at all, and uh, look, if you want to cheer for a good football team uh, in Quebec, you've always got the Laval Rouge or and they win or at least go to the championship game every year. So you can cheer for them. I don't have any sympathy for the Alouettes, especially if they're dumb enough to give two first-round picks for Johnny Vodka. Well, and now this has happened. Who's going to take a chance? Who's even going to take a phone call anymore from Cavus, Cavus Reed or whatever his name is? What an idiot. Oh, if he I'm another up, GM, I will. <laughs> he screwed up the Edmonton Oilers, or excuse me, Edmonton Eskimos. Now he goes east. He's in the midst of dismantling, obviously, the Montreal Alouettes. Interesting to see who's going to take his phone call. And they don't have anything to trade anymore. They don't have any marketable players. They've got no assets in, in regard to draft capital. Oof, Montreal. If you thought last year was bad, this, this upcoming season is going to be ugly in, uh, in uh, the province of Quebec. National Hockey League, um, obviously... Chris and I were not able to get together on Monday, but that was the uh, trade deadline day in the National Hockey League. Uh, Some teams more active than others, obviously, but uh, I'd like to know. And folks, obviously, if you have your opinions, please let us know on one of our different social media avenues for you to share your opinions with us. And we've always said here on Unscripted, and we proved it again last week on our D-Day episode, that... If you've got something to say, it will find its way, ooh, that almost rhymes, onto Unscripted Air. We had some great lists and additions to our douchebag list last week on episodes 311 and 312 of Unscripted, but I'd like to know your opinions on the team or teams that may have won the trade deadline in the National Hockey League. I've got a couple. I've got a couple of teams that did nothing or shouldn't have even bothered at the trade deadline, but I asked Chris, um, who do you think did well after Monday's deadline? Who improved themselves? Um, I'd like to hear that from you, and then I'll add my teams, and who maybe should have done something and didn't, or again, maybe they did, but didn't do enough. 
Sure. Uh, I would say the deadline day winner was the Vegas Golden Knights acquiring uh, Mr. Stone. I think that was a great, great move. I mean, they're just looking so great. I still wish they would upgrade their back up goaltending situation, but that's a somewhat minor concern as long as Flurry's healthy. So, I mean, geez, though, they just look, they're so complete. That team is so well run. I hope that the Oilers really do get Kelly McCrimmon, the assistant GM there, to be their yeah. new GM in the offseason. And speaking of which, that would be the team to answer to the other part of your question that could have done a lot more and didn't do anything. Although, I will give Keith Gretzky some credit. The guy, I feel bad for him because he seems really smart, really thoughtful. He seems like he's just worked his way up, almost like, having the Gretzky name was a negative more than a positive in some ways to him and especially to be doing an Edmonton of all places and I loved what he was doing because teams all thought he was just going to be this interim GM and oh I can just call up and kind of steal a couple guys away for for a song and uh, people were calling up saying hey we want Jesse Pugliarvi and he said no problem all you have to do is take Milan Lucic and four years four more years at six million a year no salary retained yeah you can have Jesse pull your RV no problem here you go and everyone hung up the phone immediately as soon as he said that uh, a lot of great death pieces the others do have they obviously need a lot more but they have guys like Zach Cassie and Alex Chase on all of which were being looked at by their teams and we just weren't offered quite enough because Keith Gretzky hasn't given up on the season yet and why would he because he's probably not going to have any other seasons and I, I appreciate that and really at this point we can't really commit to full rebuilds in Edmonton it's not even worth it anymore we've just gone down that road as much as anybody and it hasn't worked out so yeah my two favorite teams I know I'm biased, but I really think those are the best answers to the questions you gave. Mark Stone, our uh, Vancouver Bureau Chief, mentioned, uh, as soon as that happened, he asked me, uh, is Mar are the Vegas Golden Knights going to win the Cup now that they have Mark Stone? And I said, well, I can see them certainly going to the finals because the West is wide open. But uh, we'll have more from our Vancouver Bureau Chief with some great comments about the Canucks in a bit. But yeah, for me, Vegas was the winner, and uh, Edmonton is the one that probably could have at least done something. I have uh, the Winnipeg Jets as a team that did well at the trade deadline, added a lot of depth everywhere on this hockey team. Um, and I really, they can't seem to beat the Minnesota Wild, though. Yeah, Last night they lost 0-4. Yeah. They, lost, they lost the season series, but um, I don't think Minnesota's making the playoffs anyway. I have the Jets as a team that won at the deadline. I had the Nashville Predators as a team that won at the deadline. I do have the Golden Knights because of Stone. And I'm very happy for Mark Stone, A, to get out of Ottawa. B, he's going to a playoff contender. And he got an extension. So he had a nice, he had a nice couple of days. Um, let me tell you, folks. <laughs> Purely weather involved in this comment. But you go from Ottawa to Las Vegas. Uh, yeah, that's, that was a good day for the Stone family. Um, the Blue Jackets, I think, got better. Mm -hmm. They made six deals. Um, oh, you've got to believe that Tortorello's got to be a little bit happier after making six deals, bringing some quality. Teams that I didn't think did very well, um, Pittsburgh. I don't know if they had, you know, I don't know what their cap situation was. I don't know what their draft capital situation was, but I just thought here's a team that's synonymous with being in contention and, and competing for Stanley Cup championships. They didn't do much. Um, Boston, as well as they've been playing lately, winners of 11 straight or something like that, some astronomical number in Boston. They didn't do anything. And our local team, the Floodplain Flames. 
I know that they were in on a deal with a guy by the name of Jason, starts with a Z, a forward for Minnesota. Zucker, they were close. Something happened there. They were looking for one winger. They were looking for one defenseman. They, uh, I guess it went down to the wire, supposedly, from what I've heard with Jason Zucker, I believe his name is, with the Minnesota Wild. That deal fell through. That's when they went to back up plan B and brought in the defenseman from L.A. Um, I don't think the Flames did enough. I said, and I will continue to say, that I think they needed to upgrade their goaltending situation if they were legitimately serious about making a deep playoff run. But those are the teams that I think didn't do much and should have done more come this last just concluded NHL trade deadline day in the National Hockey League. Also, before I give uh, Chris the microphone, he's got some comments from our Vancouver Bureau Chief, Sean Dode, and I'm interested to hear those comments, and Chris will have them for you uh, in just a second as soon as I get this sentence out of my mouth. With their win last night, which was, I believe, off the top of my head, their ninth in a row, the Tampa Bay Lightning, with 19 games still to go on their schedule, went over 100 points. So I think, folks, it's pretty, pretty... Unless a major catastrophe happens in the Tampa Bay area, and I'm talking it'd have to be like one of those God things, I think the rest of the teams in the National Hockey League are playing for second place. I really do. I really believe that. To have 100 points already with 19 games to go on the schedule, they are the creme de la creme this year in the National Hockey League. And um, unless something serious happens, like uh, all of their guys are in a car accident, um... I don't really see anybody stopping the Tampa Bay Lightning this year in the National Hockey League. Yeah, well, if you look at the standings, they're 17 points ahead of Boston for second place in the Eastern Conference. I mean, no one, and no, they don't. They could win a couple more games, maybe, and they're and they're well, almost and, assured and, the President's Trophy. And my my feeling would be, and I'd be interested to hear what you had to say before I I want to hear Sean's comments about the trade deadline. But um, you could really do some serious healing now. If you've got some guys that are nicked up, bump, you know, a little bit bumps and bruises and stuff, no one's going to catch you. Um, this would be a really good time, I would think, for John Cooper to sit here and make sure his team is as healthy as they can be going in to the playoff season in the, in the National League, for sure. Yeah, I'm sure John Cooper uh, will think about that and hopefully do something about that. I actually don't mind, by the way, the Flames not doing much well, there. I because I Well, no, but I don't. But but even in fairness, even if, yeah, I'm, even I, if think, I don't hate them, I think because their whole success to me is predicated on team chemistry. So you don't want to mess that up too much. And True. a lot of teams do that at the NHL trade deadline. Yeah, that's a great point. No question. They have, last night, they, they switched their, their top two lines. Uh, they brought up. Mikhail Backlund put him in the top line with Goudreau and Monaghan moved uh, the kid from Carolina down to the second line. But uh, I agree with that, but I still believe, I, I truly believe, if the Flames want to make a serious run, um, a serious playoff, deep playoff run, I think they needed to address their goaltending situation because um, I know that they aren't going to be able to pull a Mika Kiprasov out of their backside, but they needed to because it looks like Mike Smith got hurt last night in the last seconds of their win last night in New York against the Islanders. Nothing has come out officially, but Kelly Rudy, my buddy, um, says that it didn't look like he looked like, according to Rudy, it looked like that Smith had sustained some kind of lower body injury last night on a, 
on an unbelievable goal or save that he made last night in the goal mouth last night against the Islanders. But I still think the local floodplain flames needed to address something to address their goaltending situation moving forward. Yeah, I think you're uh, probably right about that. And I think that'll be shown in the playoffs. We'll see, though. Uh, I, so I sent Sean uh, a, a screenshot of an article I saw online, and the headline was Vancouver GM asks for patience. And uh, and this was after because we had talked and I said, hey, Sam Gagne, another uh, game winning goal, or at least that might have been his first. I don't know if it was, that was first or second game winning goal, but Sam Gagne back like a few years ago, back in the day, looking pretty good on the Oilers. We traded him for the completely useless Ryan Spooner, who they tried on the first line in Vancouver, and by the end of the game was stapled to the bench because he's useless. So, and so, yeah, and Sean even said, wow, nice to see Edmonton win a trade. And I said, yeah, it's amazing. But anyway, so here's what I sent Sean a picture of so the headline Vancouver GM asks for patience. <laughs> uh, that that could we could do a whole episode on on that sentence there, but mm-hmm. anyway. So the article is one quick paragraph here says Canucks GM Jim Benning said to Canucks fans, "The message to our fans is to continue to be patient. We're gonna do things the right way. We're going to draft and develop, and we're gonna develop this thing piece by piece so we can be competitive for a long time." Which was not what you want to tell our very very hockey educated uh, Vancouver bureau chief, who said to me. His, his direct response after that, I said that picture was, you ever seen Die Hard? <laughs> and I said, uh, okay, yeah. And so he says, the dad from Urkel, which of course is Reginald Vell Johnson, uh-huh. uh, says to John McClane at one point over the radio that the FBI is now in charge and that, quote, they're running the universal terrorist playbook and they're running it step by step, end quote. Same shit as Benning's management, the most boring, basic, unthoughtful, simple, structured, reactionary way, no smarts, no outside-the-box thinking, refusal to bring in anybody to help him, terrible cap management, terrible communication, terrible pro-scouting, terrible hair dye... Benning has traded for a total of 11 draft picks in his 4.5 years here. He has traded away 12 picks in the same time. The New York Rangers have acquired 12 draft picks in the last 12 months since they decided to become sellers ahead of last year's trade deadline. Who knows how to rebuild and who knows how to be a gigantic fucktard? (laughs) I'm going to go on a limb and say that uh, Benning is not on Mr. Dode's (laughs) Christmas card list. Um, How do you argue with that? Though? No, absolutely, I can't. There's uh, absolutely, I, I, I got to be honest with you. I thought, in fairness, and I bet Sean would be surprised by this too. I still don't know what's going to happen long term in regard to the Canucks, meaning this season. But I thought that they would be down there where the LA Kings are this year. Yeah, yeah. And, and I think, in fairness, whether it's Green the coach or whatever it is, but. I I think in Vancouver, even the most ardent hockey fans have got to see some positive light because I thought this team was doomed to be just horseshit this year. And I don't know if they're going to make the playoffs, but I can say that I have been surprised. I thought they would be down there in the gutter trash area down there where the LA Kings and uh, some of their buddies are right now. That's yeah, well, and that's that's absolutely true. But now is this a sustainable thing is this the new baseline i don't think anyone believes that i mean you either want to be pretty much at the bottom of the league doing an actual true rebuild and uh, getting really good picks and everything or you want to be looking like you've made progress and you're making it sustainably and you're building and building gradually and incrementally this just feels like they had a hot start kind of randomly they've had ep40 as he's called 
Elias Pettersson, who has been unbelievable. Oh, he's the rookie of the year right yeah, now. Yeah, of course he is. Yeah, and so between him and a somewhat fortuitous start to the season, I think that's led to this mirage of where they're actually at right now. I don't see, other than Mr. Pettersson, this really being overly sustainable going forward, and there's, uh, there's a lot to dislike. I love Sean's point, and that's hard to believe because... Yeah, the whole thing about Benning is like, well, he sucks in a lot of ways, but at least he's supposed to be this draft guru. The fact that he's traded away more picks than he's he's uh, accrued is unbelievable. Like, that's unforgivable. And then when he contrasted with the Rangers, who have done, you know, 12 picks in the last year, that's how you do it. Like, the Rangers have, like, give the New York Rangers some credit here. It's tough to rebuild in that market. Oh. Right? Damn and, near impossible. Yeah. And so then for them to actually get out in front of it and say, you know what? We're going to be honest with you straight up. Here's what we're doing. We're rebuilding. And then go hard on the picks. Like, we're just going to, you know, rack them up like crazy. Some of them are going to hit. They'll probably be back in no time. Right? And so, like, this is a great lesson for the Oilers, a great lesson for the Canucks. And I, I have, you know, I've never cared for the New York Rangers or anything. And, you know, why would you? But if you're not from New York, but. Really, I'm kind of rooting for them to get back to being a premier franchise soon because they deserve it. Who's the general manager right now in New York? Do you know off the top of your oh, head? Oh, um, yeah, but... Uh, uh, All, they, um, yeah, I forget yeah, his name. whatever. I think the one thing he needs to make sure, please, is make sure that James Dolan doesn't know where your office is. And then he'll come in, meddle, and muck it up. Because people forget that not only does James Dolan own the New York Knicks, and Madison Square Garden. He also owns the New York Rangers. And I, the last thing I'd want to see, because I agree, I think that the Rangers have made great strides this year. I never believed, in a, I never believed in my wildest dreams that New York would ever tell their rabid fan base that they are going through a rebuild. Mm -hmm. And damn it, they've done it. But you know what? Why not? Remember the big story in 1994, it had been since 1940, it had been 54 years since the New York Rangers had won Lord Stanley's Cup. And when Mike Keenan and Mark Messier and, and uh, Richter the goaltender and Adam Graves and all the rest of them finally broke through, beat the Canucks in seven games in 94. But people remember this. It's now been... 20-some years since they last won a Stanley Cup. 25. 25, that's right. It's been another 25 years. They have won 54 and 25, that's 79. They've won one cup in 79 years in New York. With the unlimited resources that they have, that should really piss somebody off in New York. Yeah, but that's so... Uh, yeah, sorry, it's Jeff Gordon. Jeff Gordon? Okay. Yeah, I mean, it's like yeah, it's like the race car driver, Jeff Gordon, but it's a T, so Jeff Gordon. Oh, okay. Uh, right, so it's like that. So I knew it was like... I had some but trick to remember. 79 years and one ring. I bitch about the Packers with 25 or 26 seasons with Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers, and we've only... Well, we've won two, but uh, 79 years and only one championship for one of the original six... And I'm telling you, folks, I've been in some weird parts of the world. Fun parts, Thailand. But you're sitting there in some of the places I've been in the world, and you ask them, can you name me two National Hockey League teams? And one of them will always be the New York Rangers. I don't care what it is. It, it's, you know, um, it just seems amazing to me that um, the New York Rangers 
79 years and only won one Stanley Cup championship. Talking about those Rangers, kind of felt bad for this guy. I don't know his first name. Zuccarello is his... Mats. Mats Zuccarello. Poor guy gets traded. He goes from the rebuilding uh, New York Rangers to the Dallas Stars with a, I guess, better than average chance to get that last remaining playoff spot in the Western Conference of the National Hockey League. His first game hadn't even made it to the, I guess they made it through the first intermission, but in the second period, guy breaks his arm out indefinitely. That sucks. It's too bad for him. It's too bad for Dallas. I think that was a good trade for the Dallas Stars. The guy gets on the ice, gets through the first period, middle of second period, breaks his arm out indefinitely. That's too bad. I, I That's too bad. But, oh well. Um, a lot of things to talk about uh, on this 314th episode of Unscripted with Mike and Chris. Um, real quick, before we get out of here, um, you know, there's some guys in this world... Johnny Manziel. <laughs> Some guys in this world just don't seem to get it. I'd put Johnny Manziel on that list. I'm kind of surprised now that I thought about it that Johnny didn't make our D-Day list. But there's a couple others that we'll talk about over the duration of the week that I'm surprised didn't make our D-Day list. One of them is the current point guard of the Boston Celtics, but I digress. This guy should have been on the douchebag list. There's no question about it. And he just continues to screw it up. And, you know, he must have talent because for some reason he keeps finding work in the National Football League. And his name is Pac-Man Jones. Pac-Man was arrested at an Indiana casino last night. Public intoxication, disorderly conduct, and intimidation. And Chris has just told me that he was trying to cheat the house. He was trying to cheat to win inside the casino. So that's, you know, that's number one, uno, that's number uno, numero uno in a casino is you don't try to screw the house. That will get you a real quick invite to meet a guy named Vito who really doesn't know how to spell Vito and he's just <laughs> there to kick the shit out of you. Pac-Man Jones was arrested in an Indiana casino. Now, he had a tryout last year with somebody, and I can't remember who it was. He's most famous for the years that he spent uh, with the Cincinnati Bengals, two tours with the Bengals, mixed in there for a while he was a Dallas Cowboy. There's never been a denial about his physical tools. But I'd hate to see what Pac-Man Jones's score was on the Wonderlick test. Ooh, we could probably find that. I bet you could. But I bet that bad boy hovers around zero or negative numbers. Well, it can't be less than Morris Claiborne's four. Well, but so. Morris Claiborne has had a trouble in the National Football League since he's been in, and for some reason even Morris Claiborne has been able to stay out of big trouble. Like, st And remember, I go back to the days when Pac-Man Jones got in trouble in a Vegas strip club, and in Vegas there are two types of strip clubs. There are the ones where they take everything off and alcohol is served. And then there's the other one where no alcohol is served, but the girls have to keep the bras and panties on or pasties on or something. But Pac-Man got in trouble in a Vegas strip club where there wasn't alcohol involved. That's how dumb this guy is. So I'm just wondering, um, will this be the end? Will we see Pac-Man Jones just because out of pure stupidity, the league says, Nope. And he can't play in the uh, 
XFL next year either because I know he's got a record and it's not a 45 or 78. So it'll be interesting to see what happens to Pac-Man Jones. But I just had to make mention of this because there are some people in life that just never seem to get it. Well, it's funny, as I'm looking up his Wonderlick score, which I haven't found yet. Oh, hold on. Uh, I believe this is, I don't know when this is from. I just saw this now. I believe Adam Pac-Man Jones scored 9 out of what, 50. 9, okay. 9 well, out of 50, so, so he's 18%. Not, he's not as dumb as uh, Morris Claiborne, but he isn't a rocket scientist either. But uh, the funny thing is, too, and this is what I was really looking for also, is, and, I, and this is a perfect article here from USA Today, December 28th, 2013, this is right after, remember, he didn't want the name anymore because he was changing. Right. And uh, like the headline is, Adam Pacman Jones on his personal evolution. Like he's just this new guy. He can't spell personal yeah. or evolution. And it says Cincinnati Bengals teammates still call him Pacman, but blah, blah, blah. Anyway, but yeah, on his personal evolution, he's a new guy. He's not Pacman. He's just Adam Jones now. <laughs> and uh, no, same guy. Meet the new guy. Same as the old guy. And uh, it's, as, it's the usual, but yes, nine. I was hoping for single digits. So that was makes eighteen percent. I I I was yes. thinking, you know, if there was a guy that was going to challenge Morris Claiborne's four, yeah, I thought it would have been Adam Pacman Jones. Yeah, I think Terrell Pryor is a five, and then whatever else. So, uh, and he was a quarterback, but he went to the Ohio State University, so where they have Urban Meyer as an instructor. Did you see that? Uh, you probably don't know this guy, but I do. Used to be the coach at Texas Tech. When Cliff Kingsbury was the quarterback there, he's now the coach at Washington State University, Mike Leach. He is an inventor of some kind of offensive system. But long story short, he also this year in this spring semester at Washington State University in Pullman, Washington, is teaching an ethics class. Yeah, that's great. I can't get it with these guys with this ethics classes. <laughs> Because they don't have problems with the NC2A, the National Communists Against Athletes. They don't have a problem with the NCAA, so that qualifies them to teach an ethics class. Remember, the the most famous instructor this spring semester at the Ohio State University is one Urban Meyer. How would you like to step into an ethics class with Urban Meyer? (laughs) I still believe, and I, I don't want to get off topic, but this is unscripted. I truly believe that next season, the 2020 season... I truly believe in my heart of hearts that Urban Meyer is going to be coaching the USC Trojans next year. Yeah, everything that I've seen online seems to point in that direction, certainly. Uh, but actually, with Cliff Kingsbury there, I just I forgot that he got the job in Arizona now. Yeah, yeah. And that's going to be a disaster. Oh. Like a guy that is just, to me, everything I looked up, not qualified at all for this, combined with Josh Rosen, who it's funny because they keep saying, you know, hey, is uh, Rosen still your quarterback? And it's always, well, yes, right now for sure he is. Well, we have a story about oh, that in, okay. in later in later episodes of Unscripted yeah. this week. But Ooh, uh, That's going to be bad in Arizona. They're going to be last place in the, uh, I think they're going to be last place in the they NFC. They could be last place in the XFL. <laughs> if they bad. were deemed an, a, a, a uh, franchise in the XFL, they might be last. Uh, but hey, listen. That was the team that beat the Packers and cost McCarthy his job. It was the Arizona Cardinals game when they lost in Lambeau to the Cardinals. My God, that makes me sick. We've got to run. Um, I've got to go throw up. Um, Thanks, everybody, for participating. Hope that you continue to do so. A lot of things to talk about this week. National Football League, some more NHL. Obviously, we've got some stories from the NBA 
and we've got some interesting things about the pitch clock coming from Major League Baseball. I saw a spring training game the other day. I'm very intrigued by it, but we've got some news on that as well. Having said all that, for the executive producer of Unscripted, Mr. Chris Fluke, I'm Mike Jansen. Until next time.